Dan Stravert here with a quick disclaimer. This is The Citadel from Trending in Education, Episode 4, Season 8 of Game of Thrones. Spoilers lay ahead, so if you haven't watched that episode or, in fact, any episodes this season, tune out now from this podcast. And coming up next Tuesday on Trending in Education, we'll hear from Jeannie Allen, Center for Education Reform, talking school choice and more. Welcome back to The Citadel, Dan Strafford, Brandon Jones, Michael Palmer, as we discuss Season 8, Episode 4, The Last of the Starks from Game of Thrones. Brandon, how you doing? I'm the last of the Joneses. I, I feel like the last of the Starks, by the way, what's, there's still all these Starks. Like, I, 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 I get it, but um, similarly, last of the Joneses. You know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm a little... Um, I'm a little morose maybe about the show ending and on the trajectory that it's ending, frankly. Um, I think I probably liked this episode more than the sort of general fanboy girl dumb out there, but uh, it's still, I I got, I'll be beefing later in this episode. So Uh that's your check. You're checking on me is I'm, I'm okay. I, I, uh, I hear that, and I think uh, it is becoming hip to not enjoy Game of Thrones this season, as you see uh, on social media, lots of people turning it against it. Mike, uh, you looked up uh, Rotten Tomatoes. There's a trend yes. going in the wrong direction uh, that you've discovered over there. Yeah, yeah. On the Rotten Tomatoes, if you look at the, the certified freshness of the, each episode, they're, the first two were, were cruising right around at uh, where Game of Thrones typically operates in the 90s and up, which is extremely high. Uh, but then uh, the, the Battle of Winterfell was the Long Night, right? It was called the Long Night? Yep. Yeah. Yes. So, the, so, the Long Night was the one before the... Oh, no, the Long Night was... Yeah, that's right. Right, right. Because it was the Night of the Seven... We'll, we'll, yep. be quizzed, we'll, we'll start quizzing each other on this, you know. That's <laughs> good. We, like later on just to just to keep us on our toes but uh but yeah this one uh this one had some uh challenges so i think this one came in at a 58 uh on uh that's not certified fresh no it's like the it's the splat like the green splashy which Mm. means you're not a you're not a fresh you're not a fresh tomato you may want to toss that you know that's bad job by you you didn't need it in time you know is basically what that means so i was I was a little, uh, it's, it's bad because I, I think they're, they're, there's a risk that they don't bounce back, right? There's a risk that five and six don't rally strong because like you only have two episodes left and uh, I'm not sure how they're going to fit it all in, honestly. And that, that, that's where I have the biggest problems lately is like it's starting to feel like season seven. And uh, I think that was always probably the biggest risk um but uh but I, i'm doing good i still enjoy it you know like i right. i'm kind of a i'm an observer of the cultural phenomenon as a participant is also the way i'm thinking about it so like even if these show honestly even if they're quote-unquote terrible i'm gonna be glued to the screen for every second of it because i want it to be it reminds me of sports you know like it's like i want it i'm rooting for the showrunners right now i guess is what i'm saying and like I didn't, I wasn't overly disappointed by any of the episodes so far. Like I mentioned to you, Brandon, I think on Monday, episode four grew on me. Like in the experience of it, I was like, wow, I don't know. I like, I just, 
there were more scenes that rang false than I remembered in uh, quite some time. You know, like they just, they felt like they just needed to put these actors, uh, these characters together for a period of time. And, uh, and they just did it. Like, it didn't feel like it was out at like the, even the exchanges, the dialogue I didn't find as uh, compelling. And in a, sh in a less battle oriented show, I expect like the writing to be on point, the characters to be like engaging each other in really interesting ways. There were elements of that, but like one example, I, th I think I found the, the Bronn, uh, Jamie, mm -hmm. Tyrion scene to just, I don't even know why it was there. And I actually liked those characters. And I felt like if I could have written a fan fiction scene of the three of them with the javelin, I, I think it might have been more entertaining than what I saw. And like, that's pretty rare for me to feel that hot to take against it. Uh, so like, I, I think they are getting sloppy in spots. I think the, the game board and the state of play is what grew on me. So like, I still think the next couple episodes could, could be better, but like to lose a dragon that way too. I mean, like wow. it, it's, it's basically what happened with the Night King. Like it was the same thing happened with the dragon and the Dothraki. It's like, they're just like casually like smacking things off the board. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going deep into my take on my check-in, Dan. You, you just, you cut, you, cut, you cut to the chase. You know, you got me going. Well, I, I think there's a lot to talk about. I, I felt similar to you, Mike. And while watching it, I sort of objected to a few different things that happened vocally like, at the television, much like watching sports, because, you know, they can hear you when you're rooting for your favorite team. Uh, yell at the TV. It, it makes better outcomes. But uh, Game of Thrones doesn't do that. And so I yelled uh, the Jamie and Brienne get together. I was not fond of from a plot point perspective. I didn't see the purpose behind it other than bringing them closer together for future uh, heartbreak. Um, I agree with you on the dragon going down. There are actually great memes out there of uh, the fact that the scene before John and Ver multiple people are talking about the, the golden army and the, um, the fleet and all these things. And then the next turn, she just forgets about them and gets shot out of the sky. Brandon, where where do you want to start on um, breakdown? We start in Winterfell. We start with the revelry, with the celebration. Do you want to go chronologically, or do you want to go with what you had a, a, a bad feeling about because of plot points? Yeah, I think we can start chronologically and then definitely not continue on that because that's not how these, these things move. Uh, these pods, that is, move in a, a, a nonlinear direction. I'm not talking about Podrick Payne. Um, the, uh, you know... So the, the beginning of the episode, we just have to get uh, just one note on the dead bodies. So many, very neatly piled, I will say. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were, they were pilophiles, uh, those the, folks. That's, that's got to be unsullied, cleaned up really well, right? I mean, that's got to, like, whoever was left, they're still so noble. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? They just went out there and they're very orderly to begin with. So yeah, they, I feel if you're like, if you're Jon Snow, you're like, I'm going to take a load off. How about uh, you on Sully get out there and do, uh, so, do some, some pile and so duty? Bad. It's so But bad. Um, also, real stinky, I think. That was, there was a lot of smoke uh, oh there from those, uh, those pyres. Um, That's how they got out of there so fast. They had to get rid of, uh, away from the smell they, they took <laughs> off down the They King's were lucky road. they... They were lucky they paid attention to where the wind was blowing, right? I mean, because, like, imagine had that, it would have been like uh, the Big Lebowski, you know, like. They, <laughs> That's right. Like, Spoiler alert. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. 
So then it was um, the revelry scene, which I think was necessary. I think like you need the, we against all odds managed to survive the long night. And now we're going to um, have a, you know, raise a glass or 12. Um, I think that was necessary that, that it also, you know, is the, the sort of crucible for people celebrating John in a way that they no longer celebrate Danny Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll come back to this probably on the pod, but Danny, it, it, I think things are looking maybe, yeah. uh, maybe mad queenish for our, our friend Danny. A little bit. Yeah. But, um, I, I thought that the revelry scene was probably like eight minutes too long. Like there was, you get, you get the point. There's some nice parts. I, so I, I had a probably slightly different take on the overall dialogue of the episode. I thought was pretty good. Although that scene that you raised, Mike, you're totally right on. Like that scene was, was real whack. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, I think that the drinking game is, is pretty fun. I think some of the, the interactions with, um, you know, the hound and various folks, I think, uh, Tormund as, uh, as, um, uh, comic relief, which one of you cowards, uh, different language, but, uh, poop in my pants. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I liked the the Gendry um, proposal to Arya, and um, by the way, Gendry has uh, raised up the the Lord of Storm's End. What a nice. what a winner! Yeah, uh, but I thought it it was good that Arya stayed true to her character. I think that was you know it was an easy choice to make, but that was mm-hmm. they could have gone a different direction. Yeah. Um, you know, and so then uh, and maybe I'll hand it off to one of the two of you here. But so so after all of that, then they get ready for. What felt like super fast travel. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, they say yep. Westeros is supposed to be the size of, I think, like South America. So mm-hmm. you, how you get from Winterfell, which is, as everyone says, so far, the north is so big. It's bigger than all the other uh, kingdoms put together. You get from Winterfell all the way down to King's Landing in long enough for Cersei to not be showing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so anyway, they get, they get down there real fast, and yeah, uh, and yeah. then all of the rest of the uh, the trouble ensues. It's been one of those timeline things where they've never said two weeks later on screen, right? That's a convention you see a lot in TV and movies. Uh, but the time jumps have never made logical sense compared to one another. So this felt like another, uh, you know, running from north of the wall to to Winterfell and or or to the to the wall, and uh, this now seems like a. A half day travel, a day travel, but uh, maybe a little bit longer, as it were. Um, you did have the hound talking with Sansa, which was, I think, a good interaction and, and nice yep. move forward for both of them. Um, you do have obviously brewing tensions, Mike, between Danny and the rest. And I do want to point out it became a big, big thing on social media. A Starbucks cup made an appearance in this episode during the revelry uh, behind John sitting on the table in front of. Uh, Danny, so uh, I wanted to observe that that did happen. Uh, and, and, that, uh, and on that, have we confirmed how much Starbucks paid HBO to allow this to happen? Not uh, a Starbucks, not a Starbucks cup. That's the amazing thing. That's what so, I figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't, right? It wasn't, but so Starbucks, not only do they get free advertising and it wasn't even their cup, but just people like it's the iconic shape of the Starbucks cup. It was some like, random uh like food services uh uh, cup apparently wow amazing and then we do turn to king's landing uh we do turn to uh the confrontation at the wall and i will say from a viewership perspective it was anxiety inducing and i mean that in in a good sort of i thought the tension was really well done 
for me, Mike, when you had Tyrion discussing uh, with this is this is post timeline wise though. This is post uh, Euron's attack, right? Like us doesn't Euron correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so yeah, oh, that's right. Let me let's go there first. Well, uh, or even let's finish up on uh, the the setting the table stuff that that Brandon was talking about. Uh, I actually thought it opened pretty well. I thought this episode had all the elements of being a good uh, show, like the the way they delivered on some of the plot points, like the the Jamie Brienne thing. I didn't like necessarily the way they delivered it, but I also the fact that they delivered it kind of made sense. They were setting it up. It's also they felt it felt like these characters were. One of them was supposed to have been dead already in my mind. Like, right. I, I was surprised they were even around. So like there was a little bit of, had it been a little more celebratory, like like they were both just so happy to be alive, you know, and, to, and then they, and they were drunk and they had, you know, but instead it almost became this pity dynamic that, that, I, that I just thought was a little, um, just disappointing because like, yep. Agreed. There was a lot of there was a lot of leveling of Brienne and Jamie, and it's still there. But now, especially if he leaves her, uh, or at least they sort of they 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 pull our heartstrings that way, um, it does feel somewhat manipulative. Um, makes sense, I guess, but like just trying to understand it from like Jamie's motivation there. Um, you know, uh, he did he did seem to be kind of toying with her, not in a bad way, but like it just meant so much more to her. Right. Um, that. Uh, um, by the way, I can't believe how into like a romance, like theme. <laughs> I uh, like at the level to which I'm breaking down <laughs> the emotional debt. That's this is unprecedented. I would say in my like. I mean, I watched a little General Hospital growing up. I had an older sister, you know. But like the level to which you get into like the uh, the emotional perspective of both sides of a romantic relationship it is a credit to the show. Were you a Sunny fan for GH or? <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, but um, but so I thought the setup had all those nice elements. Yep. Um, and then I think what really, although I I, I think the the Bron, Bron scene was part of that. So like that was kind of what that that's that didn't that wasn't so great for me that yep. that scene because I was also fast travel. Like how did he get up there? Like and then he just sneaks in. And then leaves. As it's exchanged with them and, and then disappears. So like there was some something starting to smell a little meh. Uh, and then and then I thought the Euron attack just felt bad. Like it just felt so so maybe we could talk a little bit about like I'd be curious what your guys' takes are on that. Cause like I think it could have been a better show had that middle act, a middle component of the narrative um, been great. because uh, we kind of expected that. Yep. Uh, and I don't think it, I don't think it was. I don't know how you guys feel about the Euron with his, you know, javelins on his boats and such. So my, I, I, I promised you, listeners uh, and fellow hosts, that I'd be beefing. Um, Where, maybe Steve? I'll be dra- dragon staking um, here. So. You know, like this is a sort of deep cut from the Westerosian lore, but you're not supposed to be able to shoot a dragon like that. Now, I, yeah. I get it that Rhaegal's got some got some holes in his wings, so he's not as uh, uh, capable in in the air. But um, those the scorpions that they were using, you, how, you fire three of them and they all hit, and 
Dragon scales, like this is the thing. There is there is one again. This is the this is the deep cut. Uh, Maraxes, which is how Viserys uh, pronounce it in um, uh, in season two before he gets uh, the the golden uh, season one, whatever that is when he before he gets the golden crown. Maraxes gets shot out of the air by a scorpion in the um, in Dorne. Uh, because they like one in a million shoots him through his eye, which is apparently like the only vulnerable place on the dragon. Mm. So they're breaking all the rules, and it's yeah. clear they're 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 doing it because otherwise, I talked about this a couple times before. It's you got an OP yeah. problem. It's an overpowered right. problem. Right. So when you write yourself into a corner, I guess that's all that you can do. But but I I'm, I maybe I'm beefing with with previous decisions to to write themselves into a corner. Yeah, um, I like I, guess, I like. I guess maybe it's not satisfying to have the obviously overwhelming power of three dragons and uh, the Iron Fleet and the uh, High Garden uh, Army and Dorne and the Unsullied and the Dothraki. I could keep going, but I think that's yes. Uh, it yeah, maybe yeah. it's unsatisfying to have that, them win, but like then if you're not gonna win, then you have to spend your time writing how they're losing. Yes. Yeah, and you delineated them too. That's what I was. That was what I was about to ask. Because like I would say, like the Night King, the Dothraki, uh, the Unsullied are still around, but like they're 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 beyond decimated, you know. And uh, and then the dragons, obviously. Um, and and uh, Iron Fleet, the Iron, Iron Fleet, Fleet's yeah. been destroyed twice. Right, exactly. <laughs> I guess the only the only group that hasn't been they haven't even really been on screen is the the Golden Company, right? So like what happens with because they're they're now the, the them versus one dragon is really what's left but like uh-huh. all the other bigger components have really been kind of knocked out and like it, and it's strange then to bring this new powerful like unspecified powerful component into the state of play i guess you still might have the the uh the the fire like the what's dragon, the dragon? Fire. So the, like maybe that's wildfire, the wildfire, wildfire. But like the Deus Ex, you said you had the Deus Ex Aria the other day. That was good. Yeah. But, uh, but like the Deus Ex, what's left? You know, like you have wildfire, you have uh, one dragon, gold company killing people, maybe. But like it, it feels like a lot of the bigger supernatural, uh, beyond just the. Uh, the politics and intrigue and uh, betrayal at court. There aren't a, that many big pieces left in the sort of tactical state of play. And um, you just, I, I think that would be okay if to your point, Brendan, like the way they go out is better. Like even if it's not well-written, if it's beautifully filmed or like something really cinematic, you know, like battle, I would take, just do another Battle of the Bastards if you're gonna knock out you know, just for the the visual uh, yeah. brilliance of that expertise that they have, that they're not really going to redeploy at this level again. You know, so like, I, I was a little disappointed. At episode four didn't have like, because because episode three, I still think visually was an amazing. Like, I, I, I'm I'm still in favor of episode three. I, I just think episode four, uh, we'll get the names right. So the long night, the long night, I'm still in favor of, in favor of. Uh, Last of the Starks? It's even a weird title, right? Like, like that should, what, what, why, am I not getting it enough? Like, why would, why is it even called Last of the Starks? 
you were saying Brandon. Yeah, Brand, so they they um they talked to Bran about how he'll be the warden of the north because he's the last of the Starks. So he's yeah. you know, because if the the reckoning, so you have Rob Stark, who's dead. Right. Bran Stark, Rickon Stark, Jon right. Snow, not a Stark because he's a snow as far as people know. Right. Um, and then Arya and Sansa don't count because right. Westeros. Right. So right. yeah, I, I um I, I agree. I, I mean, it's I think it's a little bit like the the sort of Faustian bargain. Like y- you are going to bring fantasy elements into your show, and at some point you have to pay for that, right? Yeah. So yeah. you know, like this is without the dragons, this is like the West Wing or or whatever. Like this is yeah. this is like some snappy dialogue uh, yeah. uh like court game show I, and, and i would totally watch that show by the way right but they yeah. they're like you know what we're gonna up this we're gonna we're gonna have uh uh the army of the dead zombies yeah. right um night king as we talked about last time is a uh, is a book uh in the book it's the night's king different uh, not powered this way so the show you know decides to to up the up the ante there they get the all the cgi for all the dragons and then they're like "Uh oh i also i also i'm sorry i don't mean to step i also think like the uh the night king i think in part was because they still had darth maul's costume they did they did and they were like well we know how to make like a creepy looking guy with horns that's right we're all set so but you now that you've you know and and a lot of people i mean i think people watch the show for as you're saying mike like they totally would watch it if it were just the the court drama right um but like the spectacle of it was in part because of yep. you know the, some of the 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 fan fantasy elements right the danny being unburnt by the fire and the dragons obviously and i think they actually have done a nice job with the cgi of the dragons they've, they've over in general mm-hmm. um you know, so uh, now that you when when you make that bargain, then you got to resolve it. So either those fantasy elements, and I keep saying this, but um, I keep feeling it, so I keep saying it. Like e- either those fantasy elements will be what propels you to victory, and then you're like, oh, we've got a fantasy show, or you need to resolve them. And if you run out of time, like they've just run out of clock, you right. can't resolve them in ways that I think, or it's harder anyway to resolve them in ways that feel really authentic and compelling. You need to have these like, oops, I got surprised. I'm a dragon, but I literally got surprised by a fleet of ships. Right. um, Oops, I went north of the wall with all three of my dragons to recover a white to convince this crazy queen who's definitely going to backstab us anyway uh, to to hold off. Like, oops, there's too many oops moments. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then and just to close out on that sort of middle section uh, like the nobody else is killed who we care about, right? We we lose we lose the dragon, right? No one else like there's javelins everywhere. Tyrion jumps in the water, but like all the characters we care about are still in play. Down a dragon, and then regroup before the. Beach, the yeah before the final scene. And, and that's when, oh, wait a second. What happened to Masande? Right. right. So like everybody else is accounted for uh, Grey Worm on the beach looking around and he's like, you know, where's, where's Masande? 
and uh, and then that sets up for kind of the, the the scene at the wall, right? Or is there are there other? Major- there aren't other there aren't other named character deaths, but like they came down on X number of ships and they re- returned with X minus X number of ships. Right, right. And so like there were presumably like countless unnamed unsullied who died there. Right. Um, because like only a handful sort of bedraggled pull themselves up on the beach. Um, it, was a, it was a lot of like Star Trek away team. The the guy in the red. Oh, it's guy like, in the it's red. All, all guy in the red shirts are dying everywhere. Everywhere. So all, all, all like, everywhere. All, all the, it's the, all the, the Washington generals keep getting beaten. Yeah, it's the it's the nameless, faceless. But like. But, in that moment, a, but, but a dragon though too. Yeah, yeah, but a dragon. But in that moment, so Miss Sunday um, gets somehow in all of this chaos, right. she gets like scorpioned off of the boat, but not killed. Right. And right. then they manage to find her. Like they're like Euron, who must have great eyesight because he's able to hit um, fire off the scorpion <laughs> in rapid succession and hit a dragon three times. He must be like looking out scouring the seas then he's like oh i i know i know that hairdo that's misandai uh how does that happen that's amazing what a find yeah it doesn't make sense and it this is where it also starts to feel like the way euron is is portrayed feels less like game of thrones and more like game of thrones the game like if i were playing a video game and there was a boss on the other side who was like kind of invulnerable and could shoot javelins really effectively. But like, there was no setup aside from he's clearly a badass, but like beyond Euron is a badass, it's, there's nothing supernatural about him. Right. No. And then he's behaving in this way that even the most heroic of the heroes don't have this level of superpower to kind of take down a dragon from the deck of their their ship like that wasn't that feels like it's really coming out of nowhere like for him to be that phenomenal like that that's the type of thing you would expect from the night king but not from euron like there was there there was this sort of inequity so like euron could have been a more reasonable component of this as things got downgraded post night king but like he needed to take out a supernatural thing. So suddenly he gets this supernatural power, but then he can just be killed in a very casual way too. Like, I, maybe, I wonder, maybe. Yeah, who knows? I mean, he also, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, I, pro- I don't know. but, but probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, I think it's a great point around, he was also a minor character for so long and is now being you know, injected into the top level of this storyline at the very end. So it is a little off-putting in that regard as well that we've had this buildup of Danny, of John, of Sansa, of Cersei, and then Euron sneaks his way in to be a very large part of these final yeah. few episodes, um, which isn't the worst thing, but does feel a little off-putting. And I think it's a great point by you, Mike, of just his leveling up here is sort of changing the the playing field a lot, like uh, unleveling the playing field again to get rid of one of the dragons, as it were. And then, so the Masande point, I think also, you know, you just uh, f- managed to find her uh, in the sea and, and bring her as a, a captor. Tyrion steps forward to try to negotiate 
Cersei uh, bending the knee, Danny, and then obviously vice versa, saying Danny has to surrender. I thought was a very good shot and scripted scene in that it built tension for me. Like I did feel a genuine what's going to happen. I got frustrated by and jumping forward a little bit that nothing else happened once no agreement was made that no shots were fired nothing happened after Masande. that nothing they had the advantage they could have taken out a bunch of danny's army and they didn't do it so i, I got frustrated by that point but uh i guess jumping back brandon Masande, that whole scene was very well built up thoughts there thoughts on that scene overall as it builds towards uh, no agreement for anyone to to, to give in yeah i mean i i'm I guess it's fine. I like the, in the Missande Grey Worm romance, which I, I was shipping this whole time. Like yeah. I, I, I love both of them. They're both beautiful people. Like I, I've been, I've been rooting for that since uh, that time in the river so many seasons ago. Um, but really, really, you're going to have Grey Worm <laughs> who's on the front line of the, uh, of the fight against the army of the dead survive. And then you're going to take out Missande. That feels like I, I get it, um, fine, but like it feels so forced. Like they're they're obviously the showrunners, and and when they do this well, are definitely it, it it we like it. They they are manipulating our emotions, right? But like every show does that, and the ones that do it well do it well. But that felt like too much. Um, I mean, I, she gets her uh, Dracaris line, um, which is. Uh, good i guess i guess that's like she's um valiant defiant to the end right um that was also the first scene uh when uh danny tricked the masters yep i just um, watched that again yeah yep yeah that uh they didn't know she spoke valerian that uh, high valerian that that was the first word she said or one of the one of the early words she said in that episode um when she uh, revealed that in fact it was her mother tongue um, so I don't know if there was a callback a little bit to like Missandei's first experience with Danny in, in that relationship, but um, yeah, I guess it's fine. I also, I did like the Kyber and Tyrion. You just said that Dan, but I, I liked that too. The Kyber actor is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so they surpri- like surprisingly they've, they've managed to like make him a really interesting character. I, I like yeah. it every time he's on the screen. Right. Right. Um, right. I, yeah, I would say I was kind of disappointed with the whole scene at the wall, honestly. Uh, like, I, I thought it felt I didn't understand what Cersei was trying to do. Like, she just did because she could have gotten a lot more out of I, I couldn't understand what either of them were trying to do there, frankly. Like, to walk in unprotected, right? To get Masandi out didn't really make sense to me because they were so vulnerable, and then Cersei not just trying to take as many of the, I mean, they're already, she's got to know that they're already somewhat uh, damaged. She says it. She, yeah. She says our, the army difference, the size and yeah, I, 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 that's what bothered me that, that she didn't just open fire. And I, I know that's not the story point, but from a logic perspective or from how crazy we're supposed to believe Cersei is, why not open fire on Tyrion? Why not right. take out Danny as, as they stood there? Right, right, and then and then beyond that, I did I, I didn't necessarily uh, like the way they tr- just the, at another level. It does feel like they're the others on the show are being sort of dispensed with, you know, and then like you're going to be left with just 
you know, the, the primary houses, which, which I understand that's sort of the nature of Westeros, but it does feel like they're kind of like, they're, they're being very in your face about it. You know, like, like the, the Dothraki going down, uh, you know, the Unsullied getting like knocked out, you know, the, obviously the army of the army of the dead, but like, you're kind of clearing everything until you're just going to have, uh, you know, the, the kind of, white Westeros <laughs> left at the end, which which you kind of knew it was going to happen. But uh, but I just feel like some of these things almost ring a little, uh, they, they just, when I look, think about it more from like a, uh, like the, per, the perspective of how race is handled in Westeros and how that race and uh, gender is handled in Westeros. Like, I think the showrunners have done some interesting things on the positive and then I think some of these things are kind of like, they just feel kind of indulgent, and uh, and like I, I I don't I don't really like the the fact that they had to play it forward this way because like there's there's all these characters you can do all sorts of things, and uh, I just felt like this this felt a little manipulative and it didn't ring true to me um, around that being the sort of this sort of centerpiece. I know I know there was a close relationship between Danny and. Masande. So like I understand Cersei trying to get at Danny this way. But um but it it just felt very um orchestrated in a way that uh, didn't ring true to me. Like I didn't understand how you would actually have that tableau. It, like it it reminded me a little bit of when they brought the white back to King's Landing like these sort of theatrical right um performative things I, I guess are part of the culture or part of how they handle like statesmanship statespersonship back in the day but um but i just found that part to be pretty disappointing so like i don't i don't mind where we are for the last two episodes and i'm still hopeful and i'm rooting for the showrunners but uh but i but i actually that's where it kind of grew on me that's where i, I felt better afterwards but I had a lot of problems when I was sort of in the moment breaking down each sort of segment of the show. Totally. I'm right there with you. And I think I look forward to the last two episodes. I'm going to watch them to your point. I'm, I'm part of this uh, spectacle. At, um, I'm pot committed to use that metaphor. I, I'm, I'm here for the ending and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, this episode, as I was watching it, felt a little off. And now talking about it feels even a little bit more off. I will also say they got dried off really quickly. To, to assemble in front of the wall there after being washed up on the beach. And again, it's time matters to an extent because it, it just makes you, I think from a viewing perspective, it, it's off-putting. And so you're trying to discern how much time has passed and what we have to worry about time-wise. That seems to have been thrown out the window the past two seasons. Um, and that has been, I think, an overarching problem I've had of just the way it makes you feel while watching it. It's a little bit off-putting, a little bit disconcerting, uh, trying to figure out exactly how much time has passed. Uh, Brendan, any thoughts about what Mike just said uh, around that the final scenes uh, with between Cersei and Danny? Yeah, I mean, I just thought I plus one on the sort of uh, inelegant handling of particularly race. I think they they've done a better job with gender, although it's not a perfect job. But they've mm -hmm. done, you know, they've had the ascension of Sansa and the, like the three dimensionalizing of that kind of character and Arya and and, yep. and, and but mm -hmm. particularly race is. I mean, we had like one black character. Salador San, who 
has not been on on screen for years. Um, and then, you know, the, the, all the folks in Essos, um, and just, it, it does, it, it feels secondary and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I have my own lived experience and I'm, I'm watching this as a white person, but, um, right, right. I can imagine, uh, not being that and, uh, wondering, sure. you know, how come there are all these white faces and basically only white faces? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, you know, I, I think, that's probably a conversation for, for another show. Um, it's actually an interesting conversation to have, but, uh, but agreed with you, Mike. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my, I guess my, my only other thoughts, not specifically about that scene, but just thinking about the trend line here about where these episodes are going is I hope we find a way to uh, really respect or 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 continue to love a show that we did for so long that ends on a not great note yep um you know so many things in life go that way right like it's awesome and then it's over um and you know maybe the last chapter isn't great but you know can can you like no stephen king work uh that's like like famously bad endings right so you you have to can you not like the sopranos if you thought that had a bad bad ending can you not enjoy season 1 of lost because that had such a bad uh, last season like i i i think um i'm on team let's be happy for what we've been you know all the the incredible content we've been given i'm yeah. not like um you know saying how how could anybody else have any other take but like that's i'm i guess that's, i'm hopeful as i look ahead to the ending here two episodes from now, I, I don't have any reason to believe the trend line is going to get better. Um, but uh, man, wasn't it so good for so long? And maybe, maybe we're like swing voters for uh, Rotten Tomatoes too. Like, so, so we could go one way, we could go certified fresh or not on the last two. And uh, I still think they might turn it around. I think there's enough great actors and shared experiences that will be on screen that I think you know, their last scenes together, I would imagine are what they're spending more time on. So like, we did talk about this as a transitional show that we just were right. watching. So like, it sets up for, I imagine a more uh, cinematically interesting, visually interesting, probably more expensive production. Well, yeah, uh, Amelia Clark said flat out, if you liked episode three, episode five, watch on a bigger screen is like yeah. she said on Twitter. So like, this is, I think going to be, again, you talk battle of the bastards. I think this is going to be a very large scale battle that comes to I, be. In, in I'd go so far as to say, I think it's going to be a long night with the lights on. Mm, I like, I hope there's some long day cause it was real dark. <laughs> Uh, breaking down episode four of season eight of Game of Thrones. We'll be back with you for the final two episodes here of The Citadel. Maybe we'll have a, an add-on, a addendum as we discuss uh, the conclusion after all is said and done when we can look back on the uh, totality of the series. Uh, it's been a great run. Happy to be along with you. We're back every week on The Citadel and uh, want to hear from you. Of course, what you think about these episodes, uh, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook as always. And until next time, The Citadel presented by Trending in Education.